Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nobody's Listening to This Music Podcast podcast. I am Andrew. And I'm Eric. And we, together, make up two people on a podcast that absolutely nobody is listening to. Well, to be fair, there are two listeners whose names are Eric and Andrew, who listen Correct. after we record. Absolutely. Because they're forced to, and they have to edit all of it. Very true. So this week, you had me listen to... Weezer's Pinkerton. Yep. And I listened to it for a whole seven days. And that's sort of a lie. (laughs) Okay. Because I I definitely didn't listen to it uh, every day. Okay. That's fine. I took a break from it a couple of times and I came back. That's cool. Uh, I listened to it on Tuesday, my day off, when I was... Uh, eating breakfast and washing the dishes. Sounds good. Uh, and I think I'll say that says just about everything I need to say about the album. So that was a fun episode. All right, see you later. We had to make that joke at least once. Right. Yeah. In the entire time of us recording this podcast, it's better to get it out of the way when nobody's listening. Still. Right. Because they'll be like, "Oh, they did that thing." Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe maybe if we gain enough of a listenership, we'll we'll uh, wait wait a couple episodes and then bring it back, and then it'll be like nobody heard it the first time, so it's like a brand new joke. Right, but they'll just still be like, uh, that joke's not funny because everybody else does it. Yeah, either way, it's not a good joke. It's a yeah, it's like an okay joke. Yeah, it's, I think Jake and Amir make it like two or three times. Yeah. I mean, we really shouldn't, like, talk about other podcasts on our podcast, but how about that one time where Jake was pretending that he, like, had to go the whole time? <laughs> that was such a good bit. <laughs> All right, I, I really got a jet, bud. <laughs> but I got a jet. He's like, what do you mean? We blocked out 45 minutes to record this podcast, and you keep telling me you have to jet. It's just I got to be at dinner in 20 minutes. It's like, well, you're not going to make it. <laughs> Even if you left right now, you wouldn't make it. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. So funny, dude. Oh, man. All right, Pinkerton, um, But Pinkerton. So, oh, speaking, that's a, actually a really good uh, segue, because I think Amir has listed Pinkerton as his favorite album. I, I think that sounds about right. Um, if I'm not wrong, because he said it was in between the Blue Album and Pinkerton, and I think he lands on Pinkerton. You know what's funny too is like, you know, I guess this is a this is a, a mere podcast now, but uh, it, on like in in various things that I've heard Jake and Amir talk on, they'll talk about um, music sometimes, and Amir is always talking about how he like how he's like what makes a song bad or like what makes a song good like i don't know like i just listen to the radio and that's fine like where like where do people's musical right. opinions come from but for some reason he does love weezer and it sounds like that's yeah. kind of like one of the he, only musicians that he like has any opinion on i think i think where he's coming from is he said and i quote uh, how does one have a favorite band? You know, like the most robot somebody could be. And <laughs> yeah. he was like, and Jake was like, well, you would like, you know, like a majority of their songs. And he's like, well, if we're going by like whose songs I like the most, then I think it's Weezer because I like 
those are all of my favorite songs. And he's like, yeah, right. so Weezer's your favorite band. He's like, oh, I guess Weezer's my favorite band. That's so funny. But yeah, um, so Weezer in general, mm-hmm. I, my dad showed me Weezer, but he only ever showed me the music videos. That's funny. So I only ever heard, like, Weezer's greatest hits. Right. So, like, all the songs on the Blue Album, plus Photograph, uh, Island in the Sun, um, and Hashpipe. Yeah. It's funny. Hashpipe's um, an outlier, for sure. It is. and the, But I was thinking, I, I was literally thinking of this the other day, because I was kind of thinking of the Green Album. I think you mentioned something about the Green Album, and then I was kind of like, "Yeah, Photograph. You know? It's my favorite. It's my favorite Weezer song for sure." And I still didn't listen to it, but for some reason, I kind of have a blind spot for the Green Album and, and everything past that, really. Um, but like, uh, Hashpipe is is one that I know from the Green Album, and yeah, for the longest time, I was like, "What's this like heavy, like kind of like grungy guitar doing?" on a Weezer album, but then like in kind of just listening to more of their stuff or kind of research I've done on my own, like like Pinkerton is a little bit kind of grungier, heavier, kind of more distorted mm-hmm. guitars and stuff. And I think that's all coming from like Rivers Cuomo as a kid was like a total metalhead. So like Yeah, totally. If you kinda like go in to Weezer's music with like thinking of that you can really hear it in a lot of like just like kind of early performances they had like a ton of distortion on and stuff and just like certain little parts is like just like a, a heavy riff here and there and stuff and I think that's something really cool about them <laughs> that is yeah that's really cool I don't know why I thought of this um but you definitely brought it up once and it has nothing to do with Weezer but mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it anyways to kill some time in the middle of this podcast uh you you showed me a video a while back of will arnett um stuttering (laughs) (laughs) of will arnett just being like and 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 because because you know something should i was just because i was watching um i was re-watching uh, Arrested Development. I'm actually watching that right now too. That's funny. I came upon the scene where it happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I think it was a mixture of you had shown me that part, and mm-hmm. uh, and like it, it's just like genuinely a fucking hilarious part. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like fully like like howling. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man, I, I, I'm gonna connect that back to Weezer because. Uh, All right. Uh, Will Arnett. So what? Looks what like are your thoughts tall, on Pinkerton? No glasses. Did you say yet? What your general thoughts are? So my general thoughts on Pinkerton is so, where with Angel Dust, I leaned, I was kind of like, like directly in the middle. Mm-hmm. With Pinkerton, I leaned towards the side of like, like actual enjoyment. So. That's really cool. Um, it's obviously it's a Weezer album, so it's just like it, like that in itself is quirky. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of like 
some of the guitar parts are a little stupid, but yeah. like I think it, they're just kind of stupid on purpose. Uh huh. And then like obviously there's El Scorcho, which is just weird, you know? Yeah. It's funny that the most played songs on this album are tracks six, seven, and eight. You know, that's so funny because that's my favorite chunk, or starting at across the sea, so five through five through eight or nine. Um, I was I was thinking right. earlier because because we were talking about in our other episodes how the back half of the album is usually kind of like all right, like whatever, and this one is right. it's kind of where it happens for me is tracks five through nine. I wonder if that was intentional. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they were like, oh, well, the first half of every album is normally the good part and the back half sucks. Yeah. So let's write a good ha- first half of the album and let's make sure that the back half, like, actually kicks ass. Right. It's almost like, because I feel like it's the kind of thing where they're the type of band that found so much success on their first album that they either wanted to, like, challenge that or, like, challenge their audience or reject that somehow. And, like... This album starts off just so like noisy and stuff. Like, tired of sex. Right. The intro is just very like it doesn't just sound trash anything. can drums. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, it's almost like they were like, all right, let's get everybody who who's a fake fan to stop listening after track two, and then we're gonna really bring it home for the real fans on the B side. Right. They're like, let's get all these Buddy Holly like in. Yeah, bitch ass motherfuckers out of here. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, there's no fucking. Uh, my name is Jonas to be found on this album. Fools. Nope. Stop listening now. But even then, and like, then, <clears throat> and then like El Scorcho happens, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, I think El Scorcho has a cool video where, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's. It's filmed in their their practice space. Like they all lived in a house together, I think, and had like a practice space in like a shed or something. Right. And uh, I think El Scorcho is is filmed in that space. I think I'm listening to some of the songs right now. Uh huh. And I think I like actually enjoy the first two songs of this album like a lot. That's cool. That kind of, that almost makes sense. Yeah. That. That checks out with me that, that you would say that. Because, like, Tired of Sex is just kind of, like, goofy lyrically. Mm-hmm. But it has, like, some real good music moments. Right. Yeah, totally. Like, right at, like, a minute, like, ten. Mm-hmm. That riff, like, Yeah. That yeah, yeah, that is killer. Sick. And then he's just like the drummer is just laying it down. I really like their just drummer, where like he's playing stuff like so simple, like almost like borderline white stripes, like kind of just like right, it, just hitting things at quarter notes, like just very steady, simple, almost like childlike drumming. But it's like so fitting for the songs and like the weight which he's playing with, just like yep. sounds so good. And like there's like a there's something about like the tone, like the drum tone and production on it, where it just feels very raw, like you're in the room, like you know Absolutely. what I mean. That's my draw to a lot of the 
like the first two Under Oath records. Yeah. The the drums on those records are insane. That's it. They sound huge. But I think it's also in part that Aaron Gillespie like literally is I think he's playing them with like sixteen ounce hammers. Yeah. That's cool. Like he's just beating the shit out of them. Also, I, I completely misspoke and El Scorcho is not the video where it's in their practice space. The El Scorcho video is in like some like fancy hall. Um it's the Say It Ain't So video that, that is in their practice space. Just leading people all over the place, dude. Like you told me, you told me to listen to this record, and you don't know where well, the music dude, videos are taken. Like, chill, like chill, off chill. Off the top of your head, it's cool. It's cool. Just, it's fine. You're not, a, you're not a real fan. You're who they were trying to lose in the first no. five songs. No. Um, but I, th- I think the good life is my. So like Tired of Sex and The Good Life I think are my two favorite songs on the album I love The Good Life That was like one of my I feel like maybe in like 5th or 6th grade I I think that I was kind of like At a point where I was Kind of I think I got like an mp3 player And I was really like Okay, okay I'm not just listening to music passively in the car It's like Now I'm like picking Like you're choosing Yeah and honestly, like for the longest time, my MP3 player was just like music that my mom had on iTunes anyway. But um, yeah, this uh, that's how I heard about the Flaming Lips. Yeah, that's funny. And like I still to this day, I'm like, that's it's not really that good. <laughs> I, I I really like it, but yeah, that that's funny. Um, that makes sense. But uh, El Scorcho, or no, sorry, The Good Life was um. That was one of the first songs that I remember really being like, this is my favorite song. Like, this is really cool. I like it. There's like an angst to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, I think what it boils down to on this album with me liking specific songs or not is the, like the power chord riffing he does where he like does like a lot of like, there's two main chords, but I'm going to slide in between like 10 Totally. In the riff. Like, uh, in uh, The Good Life, the main guitar part is... Like, that's like six chords. And Tired of Sex, you're saying? Is that, ti- is that Tired of Sex? I think so. I don't think so. I think I literally... Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But The Good Life is... Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, so the the good life is like, I think the what's the sonic prequel to Photograph? If you haven't heard Photograph, gotcha. It's like like they took the good life and they put the good life on steroids, and that's Photograph. That's funny. How about that solo like, in Good Life, though? <laughs> yeah, it's. Isn't that's the solo that's just like all over the place, right? Yeah, it's 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 all over the Where place. Where it like almost doesn't make sense. It's just like But then it like it like really like trails off into like kind of a it gets like huge sounding and all over the place and then it kinda like dips back down into like a sort of like serene little uh bridge of sorts. And um one thing that uh that's kind of interesting about this album is it started out as like almost like a rock opera kind of thing and um, called Songs from the Black Hole, which you can really? find on YouTube, I think. And then it's really like 
a lot of demos from from when they were starting this album and there's even some that are i have on on vinyl there's like a rivers cuomo has like a record series of like home demos and stuff and uh some of the songs are on there but but uh yeah just the structure of like that solo and the kind of dynamics and theatrics of it like really make me think of like that must have been or could have been one of the songs when it was a little bit more of like a theatric opera kind of thing um right where it's yeah it's very like, like going a, through big moods and stuff a rock opera yeah a space a remember space when, rock opera specifically remember when uh r kelly wrote an urban opera I do remember that. I remember it coming out on MTV and like watching it on TV. You know what's more impressive about him writing an urban opera? What? He can't fucking read. Really? It's a fact. R. Kelly is illiterate. No way. Straight up. That's crazy, dude. I didn't know that. He's he's recently been complaining in prison that he can't read his fan letters. No way. And he needs like a guy to read them to him. That's funny. What a complaint to have like <laughs> Nobody cares, right. R. Kelly. Nobody's listening to your complaints. <laughs> like, you're in prison now, so be in prison. <laughs> Just, this sucks. I hate it here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. This is so hard. <laughs> that's funny. But when I heard R. Kelly was illiterate, I almost shat myself. <laughs> I was like, perfect. That's that's the cherry on top of the cake Yeah. for... Me with a guy that pisses on fourteen-year-olds <laughs> because <laughs> he's illiterate. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean that checks <laughs> they out. They should have. The first time that he was in trial, they should have just been like, "R. Kelly, can you read to us what they are charging you with?" And then he'd be like, "I can't read," and they'd be like, "All right, guilty." Yep. <laughs> That's funny. Nail in the coffin. You did it. Obviously. You know what's funny? Um. Uh, a weird little segue there is um uh I don't think it's super problematic but um the but the song Across the Sea, you know that one? Okay. On yes. on uh, Pinkerton, like mm-hmm. the, the first line is you are 18 year old girl who live in small city in Japan. Like I think he's like reading like just like straight from like a fan letter or something. Um, but like the whole song is basically like, like you sound really cool. I'm really into you, but you are a kid who lives in another country. And it's just kind of like, (laughs) like, it's sort of like a, like a heartfelt, like, oh, that's a nice, nice sentiment. It's like a really like nice sounding (laughs) song and stuff. And then like a couple months ago, Weezer did, uh, a tiny desk concert. You know those? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the NPR Their thing? NPR tiny desk. Yeah. But, like, so now he's, like, probably pushing 50 or whatever, and then he's, like, singing this that song, and it's, like, it's not really aging too well. Like, I think it's still, like, a good <laughs> song, and it's fine, but, like, just to see him sing it now is kind of, like, ooh, gross. How about uh, the beginning of El Scorcho where he also mes- me- mentions a Japanese girl? <laughs> yeah, he definitely has a type. I think I think he married a Japanese woman too. I, I don't think they're together anymore, but yeah. I bet it's the girl from the letter. <laughs> Imagine. Just like he flew her out, like full green card, married her. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Actually, an interesting fact. I think I told you about this pretty early on in mm-hmm. me listening to this record. Uh, I've been telling people about the fact that we're recording this. Yeah. And I told a kid that I work with who's like into old emo stuff, kind of like I am, uh-huh. that you had me listening to Pinkerton. And he's like, oh, I've never really heard that album. And he's like, he wasn't really, he's not like into music like that. Right. But I like showed him the album and he, he just like went home and like listened to it on his own time. And he texted me, he's like, I'm three songs into Pinkerton and I think it's my favorite album. That's so funny. Yeah, it and is I was like, like that's kind of ridiculous. It's like pre- it, it is like pretty emo. Like it's kind of like it's it's coming from that world a little bit. It is in like a weird way. He's, I guess it's not in a weird way. He's a fucking nerd that writes music. Yeah, definitely. So obviously nobody likes him. He also, oh fuck it, I'll dog on him. He'll never hear this. Uh, <laughs> he seems like kind of a dickhead. No, I think he is. Yeah, I. I bet I've told you this anecdote before. Here, here's the the Uncle Dave mention on this episode. But one time, okay, in like, uh, I'm guessing like '94, '95. Um, I don't know, maybe later '90s. Either way, Uncle Dave was living in California, and he went to see Weezer play at a bowling alley, and he, um, <laughs> they were doing a signing, of course, <laughs> and. Uh, like, of course, Dave saw Weezer at a bowling alley. You know? <laughs> of course, and he had a a crossword puzzle book on him, and he had like he didn't have anything else for them to sign, so he had them sign the crossword puzzle book. And like Rivers Cuomo, I think refused to sign it. He was like, "No, nah, I'm not going to sign that." And like everybody else did, but Rivers Cuomo did not. What a douche, dude. Yeah. He's like, no, I, I will not sign your puzzle book, you Yeah. Babe. He's like, I'm a rock star. I'm not going to sign that. I'm a rock star. I'm playing at a bowling alley, dude. <laughs> yeah. Do you not yeah. know <laughs> Weezer's about to blow up because I'm playing? That guy just bowled a 225. Uh-huh. You don't think I'm going to blow up after this? <laughs> You're mistaken. Do you? You think that guy that just hit that 710 split over there, you think he's the cool part of the night? Don't think so. No, I'm Absolutely not, not don't buddy. think so. I'm Rivers Cuomo. It's me. So with that being said, I will not sign your puzzle book. It is funny how, like, he definitely is a huge nerd. And, like, just, I guess, to dive into some, some Pinkerton history here, like, I, honestly, the timeline seems weird to me, but whenever I've, like, read into it, it seems pretty consistent. But, like... So Blue Album comes out in 94. Huge mm-hmm. success. Big big out the of year nowhere of my thing. Birth. Yeah. Also the I think at least the Blue Album and maybe some later albums were produced by Rick Ocasek who just uh from the Cars who just passed away last week. Not to not oh, to date he? the pod. But uh yeah, he he uh that guy died. Um but he produced um a few Weezer's album Weezer albums. Um but, uh, yeah, that was kind of weird to me that they got, like, a big, big guy to produce it right out of the gates. But either way, so then that's 94. And then in 95, Rivers Cuomo has surgery to lengthen one of his legs because he had his Oh, le- yeah. His legs were, like, he different like, lengths. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that. Like, what a, that's, like, that's the most nerdy you could ever be is to have legs different <laughs> I had lengths. to lengthen one of my legs because I... I fucking stand crooked. 
And then I think that really led to a lot of like the angst and pain that you can feel on on Pinkerton. Uh, there's like a Rolling Stone article that I have here that says, um, I think it's a quote from from someone in the band. I don't I don't know really their names aside from from Rivers Cuomo. But either way, uh, he was like, I know the drummer is Pat. Pat. Oh, yeah, it says Bell. I don't know their last names, but that could be the drummer, the guitarist. Okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, in that time, he went to Harvard. Rivers Cuomo went to Harvard, and um, uh, it, there, there is something that says, like, like he was in so much pain that he couldn't hold his guitar a certain way, so a lot of the songs, or most of the songs, were written in first position uh, on the fretboard. So like open chords kind of thing, um, which is like an interesting thing that like he was going through something so physical that he had to like physically write music a different way. And I'm like also, like I said, I'm guessing that like that physical pain kind of resulted in a lot of emotional pain on the record, too. And um, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's like a, there's a lot of very emo moments on the record. Yeah. I'd also heard. An Especially when he goes. You half Japanese girls, <laughs> that part. I yeah. really felt that in my heart and soul. <laughs> he really meant it, yeah. There's also, um, I think I've seen a bunch of people make this joke now, but because Weezer, Follow Boy, and Green Day are doing that, uh, that like three headed monster kind of tour, um, yep. there, there's like that line in El Scorcho um, I asked you to go to a Green Day concert, you said you never heard of them. How cool is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and now they're touring with Green Day. Um, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Uh, yeah. What else? There was another fact I th- that I was going to bust I think that tour, that tour is really interesting. I yeah, really like when three bands get together and charge $500 for general admission nosebleeds. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's that's a really down-to-earth move. That's very punk rock of all I of really them. like when a band that wrote Dance Dance and whined about living in Chicago <laughs> fucking 10 years ago uh-huh. sells out an arena and now i got to buy nosebleeds to listen to Tiffany Blues. <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, that's really cool. Um... I think it's really cool when your favorite childhood band blows up and doesn't play any of their old stuff and only plays the new stuff that charted zero, you know? <laughs> that is really sick of them, actually. I think it's pretty cool that uh, Patrick Stump couldn't make a career on his own, so he came back to ruin Fall Out Boy for everybody else. <laughs> That's so funny. It really, uh, I, I'm so bitter about that whole situation. Yeah, you sound very actively mad about it still. I think... Every, right, t- every time I think about them playing an arena, I'm like, you don't deserve that. Yeah, it is a weird, it is a weird feeling. You're not like, a legacy band. You're paying yourself into being a legacy band. Not to just keep mentioning interviews that I halfway remember, but I halfway remember an interview <laughs> with Andy Hurley from Fall Out Boy where he's talking about uh, how like, Fall Out Boy broke up and then they were like... You know, they had enough of one thing, and they were, like, eventually having the conversation. Like, uh, all right, well, if we get back together, we're not just going to be a legacy act. We're going we're gonna to make it something different and something new. Right. And it's like, you could have definitely just stayed a legacy act or kept doing the same exact thing, and then people would really enjoy that. Where it's like, I think that they still have fans because they're gigantic and bigger than ever. But also, like, I have I no clue what Fall Out Boy is writing. 
I have a full blown conspiracy about really? Fall Out Boy. Really? I think I think they made enough money off of the touring from Take Us to Your Grave, from Under the Cork Tree, mm-hmm. uh, Infinity on High, and even a little after, maybe even Fully Ado, when they were really blowing up. Yep. I think they made enough money there that they they themselves have just been funding the records and all of the publicity. That's a that's to a make it to make it look like people give a shit. Because uh-huh. anybody I talk to about this fucking these new records, they're just like, oh yeah, no, absolutely fuck every song on the yeah. whole record. It's Mania f- was a flop. Mania it's, was a flop. It's funny, like it was ass. I could be I could be totally mistaken and, and out of touch, but like I'm just picturing what I think is a current Fall Out Boy concert, and who I picture in the crowd is basically like frozen in time exactly who I would picture being in the crowd in like 2010, 2011 like just kind of right. like seeing girls with like black band tees from Hot Topic that are like not really a good shirt but it's like they just like it for some reason and uh, it's like it's like their fan base somehow like hasn't changed at all you know what I mean? Yep. But like yeah I don't, I don't really know where I'm going I'm with gonna, that statement I'll but go it's ahead like and a say weird it. feeling I'll make all the enemies in the world and, and say what needs to be said. Uh-huh. You know who likes new Fall Out Boy? Who's that? People that say that, oh, like, oh, I really like Green Day. And you're like, oh, what's your favorite Green Day song? And they cite American Idiot. Uh, That's yeah. who likes Fall Out Boy now. And now they're touring, They're all touring together. And who, yeah. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's and, like, uh, that tour is so perfect for them. Because, like, anybody who is listening to them listens to them passively yeah it's almost like i would definitely go to that if i just had a bunch of money and i happen to be if uh, i yeah if i had five hundred dollars to pay for seats where i would literally get height sickness yeah it's just so ridiculous dude um go home (laughs) just go home it it's also like it's very cool, and it's like a whole legacy thing, and I'm sure like to say in, in a few years that you saw all those bands together feels really special, but it's like this would have been like the ultimate tour like 10 or 15 years ago, and... 10, ten years ago, I would have cried if I not got tickets to this. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, well, we're talking 2009, freshman year of high school, eighth grade maybe. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be yeah, game over if I'm, we weren't there. I would be like, I would have gone to see Fall Out Boy and left when anybody else came on. <laughs> That's very true, too. Because they were, like, writing Fully Ado, so they wouldn't even play that shit yet. That's insane. Yeah, that, that would have been they? Really good Or was that out? 2008, I think, maybe Fully Ado came out? I thought it came out, like, early 2009. I could be mistaken. Um, well, it's so easy to fact check because you just have to look up... Uh, Follow Boy on Apple Music, um, and then you would find oh, my internet's into my internet's crazy slow, so it's not gonna pull it up. I'm I'm saying 2009, because or it might have been 2008 actually, but yeah, because that this is a Follow well, Boy episode now. <laughs> We've been talking about Follow Boy for like 20 minutes, I think. Let's let's fact um, check this, and we'll get back to some Weezer talk. Yeah, it's taking too long. I don't know. You're better off Googling it at this point. <laughs> Just listeners, Google it. Um, Tell us. Um, 
Who gives a fuck, honestly? Yeah. So another thing. They're trash now. Uh, about Weezer and Pinkerton. Um, uh, another quote that I that I halfway remember is Rivers Cuomo saying that like. I th- I think also when Pinkerton came out, it wasn't a great like hit like the Blue Album was, and like uh, I think his reaction to that was was to then like kind of sell out on the Green Album and be like, okay, I'll just write perfect pop songs again, and like uh, right. from there, then they got then that was a little bit more popular again or whatever. But then people really liked Pinkerton, and then like it was kind of like a cult following later on, kind of like the like the emo crowd or whatever. Um, but then like, like recently he said something like kind of talking about Pinkerton and when it came out and he's like, Pinkerton is basically like you get really drunk and make like a big scene at a party one night. And then like the next day you wake up and then you realize that you just said like a bunch of ridiculous things and like, you can't take that back. And all those people remember that, but it's like, it's just like permanently recorded now. Like that's what Pinkerton is to him. It's just like a big embarrassing mistake. Yeah, totally. But it's really cool, that's, and I think that's funny that it's like probably a few people's favorite yeah, album of all time. Definitely, I think uh, I think a lot of people, and um, even even Weezer themselves, I think they still like in recent years have played that album in its in its entirety at shows. So like, they're down for it, I think. But but yeah, it's like a kind of a weird take on it. Yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna say like like I fucking jammed to this album, but like uh-huh. I was ple- I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, like you were like, oh, listen to it, and I was like, this is gonna be f- like trash. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna like it. And yeah, then like g- I'm I'm just trying to be more open minded. That's cool. I think that's I think that makes sense. And uh, but yeah, I did kind of intentionally pick it as all right. If Andrew was gonna get into a Weezer album. This is definitely the one. That's interesting because I think the Green Album is my favorite album. That's funny. And then, absolutely, I think if we're talking about the coup de gras, the best Weezer song of all time, mm-hmm. what would it be for you? I, th- I think I can say for everybody, it's just Pork and Beans. Pork and Beans. I think I do like that one, but again, I don't know that one. Oh, the, I, was, I was just being an asshole because that's oh. the sellout song. Edit. Or Beverly Hills. Edit. Game. Edit that out. I don't like Porky Beverly Beans. Hills. <laughs> yeah. That one I would have gotten your joke. I remember fucking. hearing Beverly Hills when I was a kid just being like, shut this bullshit off. That was funny for me because, okay, so yeah, Beverly Hills, that's from Make Believe, which came out in 2005. And I like, um, I really liked Weezer in 2005. Uh, like I said, you know, that was kind of on in the car and stuff. It was on my MP3 player yeah. from my mom's iTunes and stuff. But um, I feel like at least kids, like just other kids I knew, didn't have any clue who Weezer was. And then Make Believe came out. And then Beverly Hills is all on the radio. Perfect Situation, track two on that album, is also that's track one and two, is also all over the radio. And then I was like, wait this isn't weezer though like this is a weezer song but like this isn't like you know this isn't isn't who weezer is exactly and now it's like just straight from there they've put out an album like almost every year that's like that still 
Yeah, and then they covered Toto, and everybody was like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> yeah, that. Did you listen to they that? They did whole that cover. Oh, like the back and forth they had. No, they had. They, but they did a whole. Um, what's it called? A whole cover album. Oh, is that what that's from? Yeah, I think that was the first. I I don't really know anything about it uh, other than it exists, but it's yeah. I think that that was the first one they put out. I don't know how Honestly, soon after they put out the rest of the album, but when when people are like like oh my god, I love this song when Toto comes on, I'm like, all right, man, relax. You're trying too hard. <laughs> you it. don't like this song. Oh, Chill I, out. All right. I think I really like Africa, but I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not the guy that's bragging about it when it comes on. But uh, I it, like. Yeah, I mean, I passively like it. Like it's. It has a good chorus, but like, you can't just be like every time Africa comes on. No. Just like that's like that, people who like, like that fucking One Journey song that everybody likes. Right. Yeah. Like you don't. You don't like that song. You like that people sing that song when it comes on. That's very true. That's so funny. I, I haven't like made that connection that that's like the same type of, uh, same type of enjoyment of the song, but it really is. It, it like that's what I think it is. I think there is a space where you can like songs like that. Yeah, for sure. Because like Africa is a good song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the better Toto song is uh, the line. I think it's called. I don't know. It's, it's like their, it's, it's like their second biggest song. Where it's like, uh, on the line, love isn't always on time. Love isn't always. That song? That sounds cool. Yeah, it would be really good if, like, Justin Timberlake covered it or something. Mm, that'd could be really huge. blow up. That'd be cool. But, yeah, I think this album for me was, it was cool. I liked it. I, I got into it. Cool. There's, I, if I listened to this album, I wouldn't listen to it top to bottom. No, I think yeah. I'd put on this... I think I'd just, like, go to Apple Music to, like, listen to this record and then, like, skip to song five and then just, like, listen to those three songs and then shut it off. Totally. Yeah, I feel like... But that's, like, what I... That's what I do with, like, 80% of the music that I listen to anyways. Mm-hmm. I feel sort of similar, honestly, though, even though it's, like, an album that I really like just, like, forever. I am kind of, like I said, biased to the to the B-side, the second half. Um, but right. those songs I, I really love. Those are some of my favorite songs. Um, just kind of in general... Um, and there's really like a, a certain like feeling that I, that I think of or get from them that like makes me think of like being in like middle school and kind of just like, kind of like, a you know, just kind of an angsty, uh, emo kid feeling of like, uh, uh, a longing of sorts. I feel very, um, I, I, uh, can relate to that, that feeling that, that Rivers is feeling there. Yeah, it would have been really hip of you in like eighth grade to wear a Weezer shirt. I would have I been know. like, "That's silly that you're wearing a Weezer shirt." But then w- we would have looked back on it, and I would have been like, "That was that's actually sick that you wore a Weezer shirt." Yeah, I wish I had a, a Pinkerton shirt. I don't. I didn't have like any cool band shirts in middle school. I got them all when I like hit high school. Yeah, you know what's so funny? I I feel like like band t-shirts like when when you're in high school whatever the cool band is in high school if you're wearing that band t-shirt that's cool but then it's like a couple years later and then it's like oh man those are all super tacky ugly like way too tight shirts and then it's like but now like you know vintage like concert tees are like super super in and stuff but it's like all the shirts that I bought at shows 
are just so small now, just like so right. ill-fitting and way too tight that I like couldn't wear them now. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's also just like, they're not like cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like we got a bad batch of like band t-shirts when we were kids. Like, it's still just like 90s and 80s band Yeah, I don't think I'll be wearing cool like uh, a Devil Wears Prada like with Reptar throwing up guts on my shirt anytime soon. I don't think that's something that's going to happen. Right. <laughs> that's All right, so but funny. You've just officially hit the yeah. 45 minute mark. I don't know if that's actually 45 minutes, but who cares? Cool. That does feel like uh, that does feel sort of like an episode. Are, uh, what's what are your what are your closing like thoughts it. on this one? I would listen to it again. Like it's like I'll probably listen to a few songs here and there uh, mm-hmm. when referencing certain things. I think Weezer's one of more of those bands where cool. I'm just gonna go listen to their greatest hits. Yeah, definitely. I, this is if I had to rank my favorite Weezer albums, this would probably be like my third favorite Weezer album. Where I I bet that's where this album falls for a lot of people. Um, because like the blue album is everybody's favorite Weezer album because be. obviously and then I like the green album and then Pinkerton uh-huh. but I bet some people feel exactly the same as me or like a different Weezer album better but yeah that's where that's where I fall on the record I think it's good yeah uh, I I was pleasantly surprised cool with how much I liked it I'm glad I, I'm also sort of surprised uh, just because of the way the, the show has gone so far is that we're like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and it's like, doesn't make for great radio, honestly, that we're so unopinionated. It's, it's, it's not, I wasn't, I wasn't just like, I wasn't like banging my head the whole time. Just like, yes, this uh-huh. is the greatest thing I've ever heard. It's just like, it's kind of what I expected. I don't know. It's, if there was a nostalgia factor for the album for me, I bet I'd really like it, but there isn't. So yeah, that makes it huge. That is a big a big factor for a lot of people. Because it sounds like it sounds like for you, this album is really important in the way that there is like nostalgia factor. Yeah, for sure. This album has no nostalgia factor for me. That's funny. So. That's what I think about the album. So now it comes down to the part where I have to assign another album to you. And Let's hear it. I'm excited. I think you've at least heard one of the songs on this album, but I don't think you've heard the entire thing from top to okay. bottom. And I'm not even sure if I like the entire thing from top to bottom. Okay. Uh, but there's definitely like some absolute bangers on this album sick and it's uh in love and death by the used hmm i wonder i don't think that's yeah i've definitely th- never listened that's to... the album with i caught fire on it okay i know that one that's i think that's the song that you'll know okay i bet that's a an accurate assessment of me knowing one song and not the rest what what was the name of the album again it's in love and death. In love and death. Oh, that's the one with that album art that I know. Yeah. Do you know why you know that album art? Is that um, Alex A- Pardee? Alex Pardee. Yeah. Alex Pardee did the album artwork for that album and Lies for the Liars, which is the next album. It's funny because uh, this album's from 2004, and uh, like I, 
I know that we really got into Alex Pardee's art in like um like way later on, like uh probably eight, in the past nine. like yeah, two thousand eight or nine like that. So uh I guess that's not that far apart. But as a kid that felt like an eternity between two thousand four and two thousand eight. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was going to give you this album or Lies for the Liars, which is the next album, or take mm-hmm. a total departure and give you uh, Southern Weather by The Almost. That's funny because I feel like those are very uh, similar bands to me they used in The Almost. Uh, well, The Almost is Aaron Gillespie's side project from Under Oath. Oh. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, that's he. they put out like uh, Say It Sooner and southern weather which was the title track for the album but nice if you listen to that album it's they seem like throwaway under oath songs that's funny which for me is still just sick yeah that's still like your favorite thing in the world it, like just so like dissonant and sad yeah but with like a southern twang <laughs> that's hilarious a little bit of jesus in there all right well that's been that yep good episode. good episode.